but I don't I really don't have any regrets I really don't I've I've lived exactly how I've wanted to I've tried my hardest every single time I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won or but I really gave it my all so that for me is enough Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Body Serve, to episode ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. Yes. Otherwise known as what? A hundred and one episodes away from two hundred. <laughs> that is ambition. <laughs> My name is Jonathan, and I'm James. And the title of this episode is TBS A through Z. I say Z, you say Z. Mm-hmm. Because that's English. I was taught the Queen's English. And so that is the correct way. Uh, I don't know of any queen. I don't see her. I don't pledge allegiance to her. Mm-hmm. I can never be a Canadian citizen for that reason. Well, that's by choice. True. You, you could if you wanted to. But uh, speaking of queens, uh, I'm not mm. quite sure where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, I think... This was our second take at the intro, and so I think I had something from the original intro stuck in my head that I got my wires crossed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the title of the episode, as I said, TBS A through Z, and that was inspired by our listener friend pal, Dr. Scholes on Twitter, known by known as Shola to his kin. <laughs> <laughs> that is his given name. Uh-huh. Dr. Scholes is only the name he uses when... Inventing wonderful foot products. (laughs) And he wanted us to talk about his and expand upon his frustrations that he he aired to us about the WTA and their incessant need for clicks. Yes. Specifically with the A to Z piece that they did about Maria Sharapova. Mm, Yeah. Which I'm of two minds because I don't want to trash a writer who's writing to pay the bills to do their job um it just wasn't wasn't a super illuminating piece well look it also comes after she's won her first title back from the ban and we know that the maria situation is a bit fraught with fans and detractors and people who are still a bit turned about it yeah and part of that was the seeming full embrace by the wta throughout the entire situation right and so this feels like a kind of a a coronation Mm -hmm. an unnecessary one I would understand if current WTA stars are pressed by the reception. Mm. I can't think of any of the top stars who've expressed any indignation. But I do feel it's a bit disrespectful for the people who have been here week in and week out, trying their best to represent the WTA and win matches. I I think it's complicated. It is. I think Murray is a big star and the WTA needs to sell its product. Yes. They could be less shameless about the whole thing. But this is this is the point that I want to make here is that there is, it seems, a discrepancy between the creative people at WTA, the writers, the people who would want to write something and the people who are trying to sell the product. If you recall yes. last year, a Steve Simon, as I called him, <laughs> uh, he announced... The launch of WTA Networks, which is this marketing promotional endeavor to sell the WTA, right? Mm -hmm. And from our dealings 
going to tournaments and just having our our ears out and being inquisitive folk, we've come to find out that there is definitely friction between the people at WTA Networks and the people who want mm. to uh, cover the WTA from inside. Right. Right? And, I mean, the WTA is not a media company. It's not a journalism outfit, right? So they're not beholden to the typical standards of journalism. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be objective. They're trying to promote a product. And no doubt there are some very talented people working as kind of journalists from within the WTA who want to cover stories in an interesting way. And so... But then those stories get written and potentially get sent off to be filed and then they come back with sensationalized headlines, which if you if you go through the WTA website for the last year, you can pinpoint a, a couple pretty obvious instances where that would have been the case, mm. right? Um, and that's coming... That's coming from WTA Networks. Their goal is to get you to click on that Sharpova A through Z piece to drive right. traffic to the WTA website and sell the game. Mm-hmm. Which is is their job. Uh-huh. Does it leave a sour taste in some people's mouths? Possibly. Uh, other people I've seen complaining about the WTA Twitter account as well. And if you follow the WTA Twitter account now, all you're pretty much getting is not just match highlights in these one minute, two minute packages, but you're getting points, incessant points. Mm. <laughs> like say, for example, if you and I are playing a, a tennis match, you'll be getting like 20 videos from that match. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, wonderful backhand, wonderful oh. forehand. This person is on fire. And it's just like, ah. Uh... Maybe this is a bit much. <laughs> well, I don't dislike highlights, right? Making those little snippets available. No, for sure. Uh, but I think there is maybe a way to manage social media and especially the website in a, a more appealing and definitely more efficient way. Uh-huh. And doing research for this podcast every week, I buck up against the website and it's just so frustrating. You can't and, click on anything without being bombarded by autoplay videos or taken to a new website entirely Uh after with all this experience using the site i don't even feel comfortable it's just not it's not there it's not user-friendly so i'm with you shola thank you for giving us uh inadvertently the topic of this podcast Uh so we're going to take you through the alphabet and you know it's an alphabet that you didn't think we could do nor did you think that people would think to be interesting. No, last night I was like, you know, there are 26 letters in the alphabet. That's a lot. <laughs> and would you know, I had the, the bones of this within 45 minutes. Yeah. So there you when go. When I woke up in the morning, I had a nice little message in my inbox. Mm-hmm. Okay. A. We're going to give you a double A to start. Andre Agassi. Mm-hmm. This is a bit of news that apparently is a couple weeks old, but I totally missed. <laughs> Maybe because Djokovic is out of sight, out of mind. I mm-hmm. don't know. But... Agassi will remain Novak's coach into 2018, and the team says that they'll appoint a second coach sometime during the year. Yes. I was rather surprised by this, to be honest. I thought, I really thought Agassi was going to be one and done. And I think I committed to that on this podcast, and people called me out about it. You were, but I am happy to say that I was wrong. You committed to this from the start, before they even worked together. Yes. I'd, the pitfalls of predictions. Mm. B is for the British media who are all over the place in messy land. <laughs> uh, in every which way. It's unreal. It's unreal. 
one such example after Maria wins in Tianjin, right? Mm. Worried Serena? Maria Sharapova title drops latest hint at golden at golden twenty eighteen. Um Golden <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. It's not an Olympic Let's year. Let's all calm down. It's not an Olympic year. Golden is totally misplaced in that title. You can look through the draw of that tournament she just won. For real. No shade. Apologies all to Punchline. <laughs> right. I mean, and why? Why does everyone have to bring up Serena every time? She was, I forgot to say, in that A to Z article, who do you think was S? Well, what? It didn't even have to be a person. (laughs) S, of course, was Serena. A better option would have been shoulder. Yes. Something that has Mm -hmm. defined her career. And I won't say the other S that y'all were thinking, (laughs) because it's a little mean and it's not quite accurate. But again, that S, that Serena, is designed to get clicks, to get people talking about it, to... It's it's just um, the, the climate of, of women's tennis that we're in right now. Mm. And I, actually, the British press has been all over Maria in a bad way. They've been highly critical, at, to the point of being uh, completely biased and sometimes not even factual. No, and this was leading into... Wimbledon with the whole wild card drama, right. the grandstanding. And now we're seeing because they want to get the clicks. <laughs> yeah. The the way to cover Sharapova now is to to do this. Speaking of somebody who has had a doping suspension, Marin Cilic <laughs> is now part of the big four. Uh the <laughs> I I would hesitate to call it the big four. It's the top four. Officially, <laughs> Sasha Zverev has been supplanted uh-huh. at the number four position by Marin Cilic, who, need I remind you, is a Grand Slam champion. Yes, Sasha Zverev, who went out in Shanghai to Juan Martín del Potro and was just flabbergasted that he could lose a match after serving so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't you know, welcome you know, to the, the Juan Martín magic. I like to go through my life trying to learn one thing every day. And Sasha learned something that day. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sure lots of listeners are big fans of Sasha. Maybe we will come around to Sasha at some point. But one of my favorite things right now is to have Sasha learn in real time <laughs> that his swag and all of that. Mm. Like his swag doesn't match up to what's going on on court. Because the way he carries himself is just a bit too much. Like, your net game is busted, you have some serious flaws in your game, and where you are right now is amazing. You've reached number four in the world, mm. you've pushed the best players, beaten the best players, but you are not all of that just yet. Right. But D. back to the matter at hand, C. Oh, C. Chilich. He is number f- number four in the world, and on first glance, you're like, well, what the, What? But he has been playing well. He has, Since the yeah. French Open, he's had a good season. He hasn't been able to play as much as he'd like due to injury. But quarters at French Open, semis in Sir Togenbosch, finals in London, finals in Wimbledon, and then semis in the Asian swing with Tokyo and Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And so when you have all these top players out, so many of the top 10 from last year are nowhere. They're barely even playing matches in the second half of this year. So that vacuum... 
opened up for Chilich to slide through. Right. But his results have been good. So you can only play who's in front of you. And there he is. Congrats. D for Dan Evans. This is so delicious. In keeping with the D thing. This dodo, Dan Evans. <laughs> I haven't said so, that in so long, in like maybe 15 years. Uh, yeah. It's something we grew up saying Let's a lot Let's maybe in keep Jamaica. it that way. You've heard of a dodo before? Yes. Okay. It's an extinct bird. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel Evans has been banned for one year by the ITF. He, uh, he'll be back the 24th of April 2018 because he's given credit for time served while in tennis prison. These suspensions, they just always seem to give you credit upon credit upon credit. I know. You know they're like, we'll like, get to that. Thank you so much. We'll get to that later with uh, Fonini. <laughs> mm. But it's like, you know what? We're banning you for life. But after six months, <laughs> if you take all your vitamins, you oh can come God. back. Oh, my God. If you don't make any tortellini from now until <laughs> December, you've gotten parole. Dan Evans uh, so the ITF ruled that he bore, quote, no significant fault or negligence, unquote, which to me is hilarious. I am not a lawyer. I, I can't pretend that I understand the legal definition of negligence or fault. Just say legalese. I love that word. Legal, yeah. Okay. But Dan had cocaine in his pocket and in his body. But what I had heard was mm-hmm. Pamela was walking by oh my God. in the club and tried to steal his phone. And that's where that cocaine really? got in his pocket. Isn't there always a femme fatale to blame it's it on? It's the same one. It's Pamela. She's everywhere. <laughs> She's a tour groupie. So his argument was that there was only residue in his pocket. And he somehow ingested the cocaine from a previous recreational use. Which proves that he had no intention to use the drug while in competition. Which, I mean, these stories get better and better. Like, every doping suspension, every positive control has this... I mean, just gives birth to a fable. And I I actually love it. (laughs) Because this is... I mean, he tested for, like, a very small amount. Uh But he... In order to get off, he had to admit that, yes, I do cocaine, but just for fun. I mean, regardless, it's a banned substance. Yeah. I don't think it actually improves your performance. But you did test positive, and it is embarrassing. Well, there's these two competing elements at play here for us, right? There's the the idea that we don't take WADA seriously (laughs) to begin with, Mm. right? But this didn't even rise to that level. This is just ITF. I know, specifically mm. that they don't have their their house in order, right? And no. The whole idea of what's banned, what's not banned, it's it's a bit ridiculous. And then the cocaine thing, like... Mm. <laughs> right. You know, like, he wants to do some cocaine. Like, okay, maybe it's bad for the kids to see that he's, he's doing cocaine, but they only know because you've uh, caught him t- through this drug protocol mm. thing, you know? I mean, Martina Hingis was banned for two years for cocaine use. Yeah. She went into a second retirement, right? Uh, third, fourth, fifth. I can't keep track of how many. Now, speaking of doping suspensions. Miss mm, Tortellini. This might be. This the, just say, this is the best segue we've e ever had. Is for Errani. <laughs> and this might be the best doping story ever, which you probably know. We won't go through the whole thing. But she claims she tested positive for a masking agent. Correct? Mm-hmm. And she claims that her mother, who has cancer, sadly, 
has been taking this drug and the drug somehow got into the pasta that they were cooking <laughs> and it was specifically tortellini i don't know why that was see it it's entirely believable believable with sarah because it was a red sauce if it were mm-hmm. an alfredo the masking agent wouldn't have survived what yeah why it's, it's science oh. <laughs> So the Irani family uh, basically repeated this experiment, clearly in laboratory conditions using the scientific method, and proved without a shadow of a doubt that the drug would get into the tortellini. I mean, this shit, you cannot make this shit up. Who believes it? Like, absolutely no one in tennis believes that story except for the ITF. So she served, what, like two, I think two three months? months? Three months? A very short yeah. ban. The reason that she's on the list this week is that she won doubles at Tianjin with uh, Irina Camilla Begu. And she is one of two players who have just won their first title back from suspension at the same tournament. Which, Look at that. Which has to be a first. I don't I, think I we've think gotten so. confirmation. I think so, but, yeah. Mm, what a week. Mm-hmm. I just... I'm on pins and needles waiting for the next doping story. Federer defeats Nadal 6-4-6-3 in Fedal 38. 38. Yeah. That is F. <laughs> and really F that. <laughs> Where to start? Do you know, I'm so mad about this because I lost sleep. I knew that if I stayed up long enough, I always fall asleep watching TV. Mm. And I'm always up late. I barely go to bed before 3 a.m. And, you know, I was just fucking around on YouTube or something. Got into bed at 425. I was like, oh, well, I'll just fall asleep to the start of this match. Mm. Of course, I went to bed at 630. <laughs> right? And yes, obviously, we're Nadal fans. Disappointing in that regard. Um, but Federer played impeccably well again. Uh, yeah, I mean, his form this year is just out of this world. The backhand's working, the serve. I have long upheld, stats be damned, Roger Federer is one of the most fearsome servers on the ATP Tour, in my opinion. I mean, that's not a shocking statement. No, but he doesn't serve the fastest, he doesn't have the most aces, but if I want somebody like serving for my life, I might pick someone like him. Not Serena? Well, I'm talking about ATP Tour here. I mean, Rafael Nadal, who although he is loath to admit it, was a step slow, was feeling sore, won eight points on Roger Federer's serve. Eight points in the entire match. Well, they walk on court and they're warming up. I'm kind of hazy. And I look and I see Nadal's knees strapped. Right. Which is alarming. What fresh hell is this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, because Rafa hasn't... This is the most he's played in a while this year. And he's been playing a lot on hard courts, winning a lot on hard courts. He come into this match with a 16-match win streak, dating back to the U.S. Open, all mm-hmm. on hard courts. This, I don't want to say inevitable, but my God. And it was noticeable to me. I don't know what other people thought, but it was most notable, noticeable that he was slower in reacting, in moving laterally on court. Yes. Which makes it really difficult to return return serves Mm -hmm. out wide and down the tee, which is the only place that Roger was serving, and with great accuracy. 
My position now with Fidal, and we'll talk more about this later on with another letter, <laughs> is that I want to see more competitive matches. And the hope mm. that I had for this match was that you had Nadal coming in on a 16-match win streak, feeling himself, playing well, winning the US Open. He's number one. Federer is playing his way into form, playing well in the tournament. Maybe we could finally have the Fedal match post-Australian Open where these two top players in 2017 can put on a show. Mm-hmm. Because Miami was a dud, Indian Wells was a dud, to no fault of a Federer. Right, right. <laughs> you know? But I, I, this matchup, while it engenders so much anticipation and hype, more often than not, doesn't deliver the goods. Yeah. In terms of the, the, the gravitas of the two players that are playing, right? And so when I turn on the TV and Nadal's knee is strapped, find out that it's an indoor match. <laughs> it just right. happens to be raining in Shanghai and they close the roof. Like, okay. Like, not only is this probably not going to go well for Nadal, I'm going to lose sleep over it as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there was a time when when they would play each other, you assume that Nadal would win regardless of surface. That's true. A, a good few years. Uh, there, They had a lot of not very interesting matches. It cuts both ways. It does, yeah. Now, did I expect Federer to have this run at 36 over Nadal? Mm. And over a resurgent Nadal, not like a 2015 Nadal. We've gone years with them playing very sporadically. We've had years where they haven't played at all in the last right, five years. right. And so to have them now in this position is kind of crazy at it these is, ages. Yeah. I, like you, I hoped that there would be more interesting matches. Because there was a time when this was one of the great rivalries of our sport. Mm-hmm. And it, it may well be again, but it's... Uh, <laughs> you can't judge it by a stretch of like five or six matches. Fair. Well, Federer has won five in a row now, dating right. back to last year. I but think it was it, Basel last year it and was, then yeah. four this year. But it has been a while since we had a, a classic match between the two, mm-hmm. many years. And I just want to point out that I've heard in the Twitter streets that some folks were upset about Roger's press afterward. Mm. Full disclaimer, I didn't watch the press. So I always like to, to get the full context from having seen or heard it, right? Right. But it was it was fairly believable to me from, from what I from what I read. <laughs> oh. He was asked about Nadal being a step slower, and he's like, "Well, I didn't really notice that." Yeah, I'm like mm, Roger, that's not his thing. <laughs> we've we've had Roger for damn near twenty years now. Like you know, you're gonna get impressed. <laughs> I I'm not upset about it. Look, there there are facets of Roger now that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many fa- parts of it. There's just like little things that pop out now that that take me back. <laughs> right. Are we moving on to G? To G. Mr. Grigor. Grisha. Um, I feel bad for Grigor. I a do. A little. A little? Well, because I want Rafa to win. Yes. So we brought him up specifically because he has lost to Rafa in some big matches this year. He's 1-10 in 10 against Rafa yeah. lifetime. Mm-hmm. But he's played him now three times in 2017. Yes. Semis. At the Australian Open, which was quite possibly the match of the year. That was a hell mm. of a match. Mm-hmm. Then he plays him in the Beijing semifinals. Loses in three sets. And then the very next week, he has to play him in 
Shanghai in the quarterfinals、yeah. and loses in straight sets again. In three sets. Yes, sorry, yes. Yeah. In in three sets. So all of their matches have gone the distance this year, which you noticed is kind of a trend with them. Uh huh. Only three of the eleven matches that they've played has Grigor not won a set, which is is saying something. Not、right. many ATP players can claim that against Rafa, in spite of the lopsided head to head. And we make fun of Gr- of Grigor. He's、uh, kind of a laughing stock for a lot of people right now because、wow. of his. He is because of where they've expected him to be in his career. Okay. They make、uh, fun of him and his、uh, mental prowess in crucial situations <laughs> and big matches, but he's been able to bring it against Rafa. Yes. And it's an aesthetically pleasing matchup to watch. Oh, absolutely. I quite absolutely. enjoy it. But he hasn't been able to take the next step. You know, all but once against、mm-hmm. Rafa, and a lot of people have written him off as somebody who is able to really take that next step and become a Slam、mm. champion or beat the top players more consistently. He's still only twenty six. I still think he has another gear that he can find and that he will find. Right. I'm not there. I think the obvious comparison is Gasquet, and because he's again someone with a aesthetically pleasing game. Not dissimilar from Grigor and dare I say Roger, but has he what made I think he made two semifinals in Grand Slams see, and I, I hasn't been that, around for many years. has has had a very good career. I think that's a disservice to Grisha. I think his well, game is leaps and bounds, not only better but more aesthetically pleasing than、okay. than、uh, Gasquet. I never found Gasquet. But I'm game saying that mentally,、attractive. I think that Grigor has more potential to make that leap. Yes, and and he has. A lot of years to do it, and he seems so keen on putting <laughs> in the hard work to make yeah, it happen. Yeah, yeah. H is for Hong Kong. Who are the winners? Pavlyuchenkova defeats、uh, Gavrilova at Hong Kong, and I think I said this earlier in the year, but Pavlyuchenkova is quietly having a very good year. She won the title at Monterey and Rabat, so that's three titles. She was runner-up in Tokyo recently. And、uh, she was quarterfinalist in Australia, up to number eighteen in the world, a stone's throw away from her career high. And she's、uh, on the leaderboard for Zhuhai, so she's having a a great season, but also a hell of a back end of the season.、Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Zhuhai later on. I wonder what letter that one will pop up under. <laughs> thank God for Zhuhai, because it would be hard to find、right? a Z. There were a lot of thank gods. Yeah, <laughs> this thing. Injury update. Swiss Miss Junior Belinda Bencic <laughs> is back. She is back. She made the top ten. I famously said that this feels like a top ten arrival that's gonna stay for、mm. a while, and I don't think we've had a faster top ten exit. Right, <laughs> which is entirely due to injury、uh-huh. on her part. She's been out for a long time. She did play the main draw at Indian Wells this year, but. Her appearances have been sporadic. She played a few ITFs. She won one in Saint Petersburg very recently, and here she is on the main tour. It's、uh, her first win on the main tour since Indian Wells in Linz. Uh huh. And she beat Flipkins in Arua Barrena.、Mm-hmm. She's back inside the top two hundred. Godspeed, and、uh, come back to the upper regions. Of the WTA tour, real quick. J J, our favorite letter is for whom? 
This one, I, I'm, I'm quite enjoying. This one gave me a lot of pleasure. <laughs> Miss Jocanto. Mm-hmm. She was all sorts of classy with respect to this whole debacle of not making Singapore again. <laughs> right? Let's face it, it's a debacle. And so classier than I was. Yes. Yeah. We talked about this on the previous episode and you were far less, uh, what's the word? Not charitable yes, to her. Yes, you were far less charitable. Mm-hmm. And she sends out a message on social media saying, Hey, everyone, just wanted to touch base. As you all might have seen, I've needed to withdraw from Moscow. I'm obviously sad that I couldn't continue my battle to make it to Singapore. However, it's a massive congratulations to all the girls that have qualified. I am working hard to recover well and still make it to Singapore as an alternate and to be competing in Zhuhai. Thank you, everyone, for the continued support. And I'll be seeing you guys soon on court. Johanna. It must be a really hard time for her mm-hmm. because she could have gone to Moscow, not likely odds, but she could have still qualified for Singapore outright. But here she is being, you know, gracious and delightful to folks. And then you scroll through her Twitter profile and it's just filled with sweets and cakes and all these <laughs> delicious treats. She's got an apple, pear and cranberry strudel which looks like the size of five burritos together. And (laughs) she says, cake alert, we have an addition in the form of an apple pie. (laughs) And then she says to all you doubters out there, cake game strong. Wow. And this coincides with us starting to watch the GBBO, Mm -hmm. the Great British Bake Off. We've started with season one. Yeah. So this is the Great British Hungarian Australian Bake Off. (laughs) Hungarian, Australian, British bake-off. Okay, I, I don't know if the order is that important. <laughs> <laughs> but and she has found something to do to pass the time. What is it? My question to you is, and to the listeners, what is it with Brits and their sweets? We know that sugar was a huge part of the slave trade. Mm-hmm. A big part of the empire and yes. sustaining the empire. Uh, so teas and sugar and sweets and crumpets and biscuits and scones, as they say, you know, that's a that's that's part of the history. But I didn't know right. it was so still so present because like some of the challenges on GBBO, it's like girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the history of Miss Judy Murray on Twitter, who that's all she tweets about. Right? She loves her some sweets. I don't know. It's the influence of Mary Berry, man. <laughs> Okay, K is for Kremlin Cup, which is in Moscow. Svetlana Kuznetsova, you may remember, won it last year, qualified for Singapore. Tanako Kanto. Do you see how these letters are just seamlessly blending? I can't even take credit for that. (laughs) It's just happening. Now, unfortunately, Kuznetsova is out. She's not defending. She's injured. injured. Uh, Kanta is out, as you just heard. But... You know, tons of the Russians are there. The usual suspects. Obviously, it's a home tournament. There really aren't that many in Russia. Well, Sharapova was there. She was there, and she lost today to uh-huh. Rabarakova, who was a finalist last week. Colleen is the number two seed at a tournament. I saw Colleen tweet about, I don't know if she tweeted or somebody reported that she said in press. You know, you get these things mixed mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And we don't want people to be coming out of the woodwork. To harass oh us and God. attack us. About inaccuracies. Yes. We did have a couple on the last, which yeah. is more than normal. And we issued retractions prior to, you'll see what happened was uh-huh. later on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But Colleen apparently is very happy to be in Russia for the first time. And I wonder if it's all a little bit too much of a coincidence that she chooses her first time in the year of Trump's first year of presidency. <laughs> I just want to say. Oh, my God. Do you think she's an envoy for the Trump administration? I, don't know. I, I mean, think we need to be having some wires tapped. She would probably be more qualified than some of these other assholes he's appointed. <laughs> <laughs> what else about about the Kremlin? Um, oh, so Pavlyushenkova also lost in the first round. She was the titleist over the weekend. In Hong Kong, I mean, that is a long-ass plane ride, so I don't blame her. <laughs> and she lost to Kazakina, who, you know, no shame there. No. On the men's side, it's also a men's tournament. We got PCB. We have Ramos Vignolas, Demir Jumor, which I think in any of these smaller hardcore tournaments, he's a contender now. Manorino and then Rublev. Who hometown. is just uh, busting up the rankings, Rublev. Yeah, Under the radar, totally. Yep. He's in the, in the 30s right now. In Linz, Barbara Streetseva, she wins, and she beats Rubarakova for her second career title. Mm -hmm. And Rubarakova then leaves Linz, goes to Moscow, and beats Sharapova. And we talk all the time about how difficult it is to have a big, strong result one week, go deep, make the semis final, or win the tournament, turn around, fly to another city... Doesn't matter how far away it is. You still then have to adjust to jet lag, different court, even if it's the same surface, different court, how the ball is playing, different balls. Rafa talks about that all the time. Mm. <laughs> different balls. <laughs> it's just not it's not often that you see non-top-tier players have consistent results week into week up because right. it's difficult. Right. Right? And so uh Rubarikova is able to do it. Who is not able to do it? Street Survive is not able to do it? Who our, is it? Um, our M was not able to do it. Oh, that's true. M that's for true. Maria. Yes. Sherpa was not able to do it. And uh, Pavlyuchenkova was not able to do it. No. Now, Maria is mm -hmm. our M. Yes. She won the title in Tianjin. She beat Sabalenka, a fellow Russian, in the final. Or, sorry, she's not from Russia. No, she's not. Bel Belarus. Belarus. Oof. It's not the same you thing. Dodged a bullet Whoa. there. The pitchforks would have been close. out. Now, she did beat Pung in the semis. But her, her run was, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, you did that, girl. Let's move on. <laughs> She's up to number 57 in the world. Mm -hmm. So, no more wildcard drama. Let's move on. Maria's back. And even if she needs a wildcard to get into, say, Miami. Like, at ranked number 57, this many months out, like, who cares? Yeah. You it, know, it's just all put to bed. It's done with. A lot of it was way overblown. Uh, just way too much ink and vocal cords spilled on this <laughs> in 2017. Mm -hmm. N is for Nadal, and we're going to be talking about his Asian swing, specifically the two tournaments he played. Yes. Being winning... Beijing for the first time since 2005, was it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, way back when mm -hmm. he won. It was the second time he'd won that, that tournament. And then he went to try and win Shanghai for the first time, got to the final and lost to Federer. Mm -hmm. And he has been to the final before mm -hmm. in Shanghai and lost. So he has, it's one of the master shields that he doesn't have, one of the few. I, you mentioned earlier the wrapping on the knee. That was very alarming to me. 
It was triggering. Yes, because we haven't seen it for a long time. He wore it for, it feels like, years, right? He was wearing those habitually and then completely stopped because I thought they were counterproductive. I thought I had heard from his team that they weren't helping Mm. the rapping. And he was asked, you know, Rafa is not going to talk about the injury in this presser or whatever. He said, no, it's not the time. It's not appropriate to talk about that. But it was reported that it wasn't just preventative. Right. That he's been pounding away on hard courts and his knees are going to start hurting. That's just a fact of life. Not that it was an injury per se, like a serious injury, but it's a wear and tear from playing so many hard court matches. Mm -hmm. I do think that when he retires, he's going to be like an Agassi type. You know, Agassi beat up his body so badly toward the end of his career. He's getting cortisone Mm -hmm. shots all the time. I just fear that... I hope these athletes have a life after sports. Yes. O is a bit of a made-up segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a real letter. Uh-huh. It's for the outrage and how much we are over Fedal when they play. Specifically, the reactions and the responses from their legions of respective <laughs> fans. And yeah, we're definitely part of the Nadal fan base but man from both sides over the weekend i just couldn't just could not tolerate it i stayed off twitter on sunday obviously because i was pressed over the loss but it's just too much man it's like it's not 2007 anymore you don't have to be so amped up all the time the match finished at roughly a little after 6 a.m eastern standard time wake up at 12 something Go through the day by six o'clock. Okay, people are still going on about it. And I reached my breaking point at like damn near 1 a.m. I was like, are we really, really <laughs> still going back and forth about how well Roger is disgusting because he skipped the clay court season because he knew he couldn't beat Rafa and Rafa is this and blah, blah, blah. Let's get out leads these ridiculous statistics to prove who is the GOAT. Mm. To say, oh, well, this is what the head-to-head is now on these specific services. And Roger leads head-to-head on four of the seven services and conditions. So he is GOAT. <laughs> and it's like, this is so counterproductive and maddening. Yes. The whole general perspective of Fedal in 2017 should be you are getting bonus stuff. If you are a fan right. of Roger and Rafa, you are getting bonus shit that you... Probably in your wildest dreams, no matter how much you back the winner, your winner, you couldn't have really expected this for them to split all four Grand Slams to each and make all these Masters finals, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You are being duped. You are being duped by tennis media and for those clicks and that clickbait to getting into this who is player of the year bullshit. <laughs> it's a it's a subset of the GOAT debate. Stay away from it. It's it's because it doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't add anything, and no one will remember it. No. <sighs> P. And it, wait, oh. one more thing, and it's also why, and I can't ignore that this is a big part of it. Why the Fedal thing is not very enjoyable for me anymore. Mm. Full disclosure: part of it is that Rafa isn't winning the last five. Fine, <laughs> you know that that obviously plays a part yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah. But I should as. A semi-adjusted 33-year-old having been doing this podcast. How old are you? You shut your mouth. Holy shit. You shut your mouth. (laughs) Having been doing this podcast now for almost three full seasons, 
and achieving a certain level of objectivity, you know, for professional purposes. Okay. To be able to to enjoy this objectively, regardless of what my horse in the race is doing. Mm-hmm. But I can't because of all this etc. bullshit. Right. You know, that that is a distinct part of it as well. And I don't like it. So that's my rant. <laughs> okay, P is for peanuts. And this is your It bag. is mine. This is your Gucci, your Louis Vuitton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fabio Fonini was uh, sentenced, punished. Uh, the, the decision came down from the Grand Slam board, which is made up of representatives from all four Grand Slams. Based on his uh, mishap at the U.S. Open, where he called a chair umpire some pretty horrifying names in Italian, they decided to fine him $96,000 and ban him for two Grand Slams, one of which must be the U.S. Open, unless... Wait, wait, wait. It was reported with those headlines as being like, this is what happened. It was very misleading. And when I saw that, I was like, well, damn, I am... Really happy like, right oh, now. Oh, like, wow, they went there. Somebody right? really did the business. No. He will only owe all that money and be banned if he commits another major offense at a Grand Slam. And the Grand Slam board are the people who decide what a major offense is. So in this case, they ruled that he committed two. Now, if he doesn't commit another major offense, he will owe $48,000 with no ban from Grand Slams. Which is apparently peanuts. According to him, it is peanuts. Uh, because, you know, when you marry the U.S. Open champion, you can spend her money. <laughs> it's peanuts for Flavia Panetta. Oh, my God. <laughs> he does his Insta story where he shows all these peanuts and writes the word peanuts on the same day that this judgment is handed out, right? Mm-hmm. And Very it comes, charming, it comes as right usual. after he's, I think, showing a picture of him reading the judgment or something. It's like... It's- Typical Fabio. He's such an arrogant prick. Behaving like the child he is. Mm -hmm. That's so endearing. Right. Now, I posted something criticizing the ATP for having no, basically no reaction, no action whatsoever. And a lot of people said, well, it happened at a Grand Slam. They can't do anything. And I could be right. I could be wrong. But I'm here to tell you that I believe strongly that they could still do something. They won't, but I do believe that they're within their rights to do something. Because I read the motherfucking (laughs) rule book. You did? (laughs) I did, because I was bothered by the whole thing. Mm. So first of all, when I say they haven't done anything or they have no opinion, that doesn't mean that they have to act with a fine or a ban. They can say something. Exactly. They They can can make a statement. They can protect their brand, basically, by saying, listen, This happened at a Grand Slam. We don't want to get involved monetarily. However, that's really fucked up what he did. And that's not what the ATP stands for. So they failed in that respect. This is how fucked up tennis is with all these moving parts in terms of multiple governing bodies. Right? Because Mm -hmm. the ATP for years have been coasting on the laurels of Federer Nadal and then again with Marian Djokovic. Right? And then you got Bonus Vavrinka for good measure. (laughs) Right. Like, they don't got to do anything to protect their brand. This era birthed another great, just by accident. Just by accident. And with any other industry, 
you say something, not even industry, an employer, if you say something on Twitter that goes against your employer or they are made aware of it and take issue with it, they may say, well, you know, that's James's personal time. He's not representing so-and-so on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I just want you to know that that, that does not reflect the values right. of this company. And now it's different. Like my company is a totally different situation. I'm not a public figure. Fabio Fognini is a yes. public figure. And what he does in public mm-hmm. at tennis events reflects on the ATP. Because, you know, the majority of people watching tennis on TV don't know the difference between ITF, ATP, Mm-mm. Grand Slam they board. Don't. Nope. That was a new one. I learned about the Grand Slam board. Except, I didn't r- fucking know. Really? That we've rarely had occasion to, to learn what it is. So here's what I found. There is a provision in the ATP rulebook or the ATB code about basically uh, disrespecting the integrity of the sport in general. So if a player at any time has behaved in a manner severely damaging to the reputation of the sport, blah, 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 may be deemed to have engaged in conduct contrary to the integrity of the game of tennis and be in violation of this section. So I think it applies there. Also in the next section, we're talking about damaging the favorable reputation of the ATP, its tournaments, and players, because all those things are a valuable asset to the ATP, which clearly has a stake in public relations. Regardless of whether it happened at an ATP tournament or not, that's not in the code. This is separate and above match level. This is about behavior that is unfavorable to the ATP. So I do actually think they have a case. Clearly, I'm not naive. I know they're not pursuing this. They weren't pursuing it from the day it happened. Nothing's going to happen. But I'm, I just want to put out there that it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like they could have if they wanted to. Mm. What we've learned is that we are part of a severe minority in thinking and speaking about these issues in tennis. People don't give a fuck. Not only don't, <laughs> do they not give a fuck, but they don't. It's not... The writing and the podcasting and the coverage doesn't reach a wide enough audience for people to care right. about a sport that they already don't care about. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, tennis community is very small. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, what does this say? And I know what it says. But what does this say about the ATP and what they think of the WTA and the women who work for the ATP and women in tennis in general? If you can have one of your top 30 players say those kinds of things to a woman umpire Mm -hmm. in a Grand Slam event, in what is supposed to be one of the four biggest events of your sport Mm -hmm. that's circulating on the internet, caught on camera. So you finally, finally have female umpires presiding over big matches in Grand Slams. Mm -hmm. And you have a player, a male player who not only insults the umpire, but decides to sexually demean her. Yeah. That's his default. Like It was sexual the, assault. But no, it wasn't. Oh, verbal. Sexual harassment. Yes, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But his his default, right? A way to insult a woman is to demean her sexually. And that's mm-hmm. what he did. Yeah. And it, it needs to be called out. It needs to be punished, which it is by the Grand Slam board. In my opinion, yeah, it is peanuts. I'll agree with Fabio in that case. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Serena still has the high, the largest fine in Grand Slam history. Nothing has topped it yet. I would have liked to see this top it. But 
that's a topic for another day. Q is for quiz. In the words of Venus Williams, now I gotta take a dumb quiz. <laughs> no, this I time, gotta take a dumb quiz. This time quiz. it's you. Uh-huh. And you have not been made aware of the topic. I haven't. Correct. But also, like the last time when we went through this whole big debacle with getting the quiz ready, you were supposed to, you were unequivocally told that you were making this quiz and we yes, get ready yes. to record. Don't try to delay your quiz. And you're like, I forgot. I'm like, mother okay. fuck. In unlike Dan Evans, I bore gross negligence and responsibility (laughs) now this quiz is vaguely about the year-end finals on both tours vaguely that's that's all i'm giving you i'm not gonna do well it's fine you'll get some okay guaranteed okay question one the atp finals or the tennis masters cup Mm -hmm. were played in shanghai four times name two of the winners in shanghai Mm mm-hmm Okay, this was, did this predate, well, it obviously predated, but it did it immediately predate London? Yes, I okay. believe so. So Federer, obviously, mm-hmm. 1-1, Djokovic. See, I told you you get some. <laughs> Do you know the other one? There's one more? There's, yeah, Federer won it twice. Murray. Nalbandian. Oh. Yeah, that was the year he beat Federer, I think. Mm. Question two. Back in 2000, these two players... We're battling for number one at the Kirtan and Agassi. Half right. Really? Yeah. Uh, Agassi. No. Kirtan and Rios. <laughs> Kirtan and you, Sampras. You didn't even let me finish the question, <laughs> but you still have Kirtan correct. Okay. The other one. What's the question? Well, I mean. That doesn't add anything. Okay. Yeah, at the year-end ATP tournament. They were battling for number one. Yes. In Two players could have gotten it from that tournament. It has to be Sampras then, right? No. Oh. Wait, Kafelnikov. A no. Russian who is not Kafelnikov. A Russian who is not Kafelnikov in 2000. Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Safin. Yeah. Okay. I was going to give you a clue, but... Okay. Okay. And... Actually, in order to get the number one ranking, Kirton would have had to go undefeated mm. at the ATP Finals, and he did. Oh. Beating Safin and then Agassi. Kirton got Agassi quite a bit at the year end. Yeah. Yeah. At, around that time. That's why I went to those two right off the bat. Right. And it was, it very... was good because he beat Agassi in the, in the final of that yeah. tournament. So it wasn't a bad answer. And it was five sets back then. Yes. Question three What company was the original sponsor of the WTA championships in 1972. Virginia Slims. Correct. The uh, addendum to this question is, uh-huh. can you name two other sponsors? Sony Ericsson. Yeah. And... Oh. And a current... What? Who? Porsche? No. Oh. A current... Is it, does it have a title sponsor right now? Uh, yeah. Oh, BNP Paribas? Yes. Okay. Okay, I'll give that to you. Okay. Porsche was wrong. The other ones, you remember this, Sanex. Mm-hmm. When I first started watching the tour, I think they were Sanex. Chase. Avon. Yeah, definitely. Fabulous. I love that they had a traveling makeup <laughs> sales company. I do remember Chase. Bank of America. Really? And... Not for very long, because they probably didn't like the lesbian connotations, but Home Depot. 
<laughs> okay, I'm did not. Mar- I'm not even lying about did that. Did Marisma win that year? Stop. That is homophobic. <laughs> Question four: Name one player and one finalist of a five-set WTA Finals match. Of a five-set. They did play five sets for a stretch there. This would have been in the eighties. I can't tell you. You can't tell. I cannot tell you. So you guess, and then I'll give Navratilova. you are drinking your beer now. You're like, mm. I'm like filling in dead air. Now. No. Okay. Chris Everett? No. Oh, so I guess it's not the ages. Correct. <laughs> Billie Jean King? No. Oh. You're colder. I'm colder. Oh, so it's 90s. must have been an yeah. early 90s experiment. Sabatini Graf. Okay. Sabatini Graf. We have a winner and a runner-up. And there's more than one in each category, so you got to place them somewhere. Oh, well, Steffi would have been a winner. Yes. And I will go with Sabatini as a runner-up? Correct. Okay. It actually lasted for a long time. And Navratilova did play in best of five finals, but none of her finals made it all the way to five sets. Mm. She won some four-set finals. Graf won in 95 Oh, is that what the question was? Sorry. It went to five yeah. sets? I'm going to give it to you because maybe it was confusing. It was confusing. Right. Listeners, have my back here. I did say five set. I didn't say best of five. Oh, my God. Graf in 95-96 went five sets against, respectively, Huber and Hingis. Okay. And then Selis. I think it's Uber. U- what? Whatever. Huber. You're thinking of Janet Huber. Or who, who is that? Uber. Or the original... Um, Mom on Fresh Prince. What's oh, her name? No, I definitely was not thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just speaking American. <laughs> anyway, and then Celis beat Sabatini in 1990 in five sets. Okay. Question five. The only walkover in the WTA championships was in 2001. Serena won. A walkover Who was walked in 2001. Over? That was the year that Venus won for the first time at the U.S. Open in Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I don't recall that being a story in their tennis life at the year end. In 2001, a walkover. Is this like a super big name player? I'm not telling you. You've been doing very well, so you need to just guess. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go with... Celis. Davenport. Oh. Serena beat Davenport in a walkover. In the final? The final never happened. Oh. In 2005, this is question six, 2005, Rafael Nadal won which ATP award? And I don't need exact wording here. Rookie of the year. Newcomer. No, surprisingly. Oh. He won most improved. Oh. <laughs> Now, he actually did win Newcomer of the Year. But not in 2005. Yes. Was that 2004? Three, I think. Oh, he was a baby. He was. Uh, question seven. Name one player who won ATP Newcomer of the Year or Star of Tomorrow, who went on to win a major, except Nadal. Except Nadal. Yes. Hmm... Just have to get one. Murray. No. Federer. No. Safin. Yes. Okay. The other ones, if you're interested, Andy Roddick, 
Safin, Ferrero, Rafter. You can see for a few years there, they were pretty spot on. Costa, Bruguera, Chang, John McEnroe. Do you know that in that WTA through Z thing about uh, Sharapova, F was for Ferrero? Because he apparently yes. said in 2004 that, you know, she's going to win. Or she could win. Swimming. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, oh my God, he's so hot. That made me de- that definitely made me win because well, if Juan Carlos said it, then it must be he was and is. So <laughs> one thing Maria and I agree on. Well, I don't. I never what? thought he was hot. Have you seen him lately, Ferrero? Yeah, I always thought he had kind of a, a mouse face. Oh my god! Sorry. Okay. Question eight: In two thousand four, a player made the finals based. This is ATP mm-hmm. based not on points. But the fact that he won a major that year. In 2004, Costa? No. 2004? Huh. Hmm. Only on the fact that they made... Yes, because back then, if you had won a major, you got automatic entry. Is this some kind of trick question? No. It's not Agassi. Agassi didn't win a, a slam that year. I can't recall who were the slam winners that year. Mari, uh, sorry, Roddick won the U.S. Open in 2003? Yes. Huh. This this seems like a French Open situation, doesn't oh, yeah. it? Yep. And I, this person is escaping my, my recollection. Okay. Gaudia? Yes. Okay. Oh my god, you actually got... Um, wait, am I giving that to you? Did you guess something else? I did. I guessed... Um, mm. Oh, Costa. Costa yeah. Oh, I guess I'll give it to you. Number nine. Which American, not named Evert, beat Martina Navratilova in the 1980 WTA Championships? American, not named Evert? Yes. Austin? Yes. Okay. That was easy, wasn't it? Okay. The final question. I think I made this quiz too easy. Svetlana Kuznetsova won Moscow and got to the semifinals in Tianjin last year to qualify last minute for mm-hmm. Singapore. Yes. At what stage did she lose in Singapore and to whom? Semifinals to Sibyl Kolpa. It was that easy? Yeah. It happened last year. Well, a lot of things <laughs> happened last year. <laughs> okay. I do remember that because she won all these crazy matches. Over the course of like two weeks, right? To get to to Singapore. And then she continued to win crazy matches. So I knew for sure she made the final four. And then I knew that Sibolkova won the final. So that was the guess. I didn't for sure remember that she beat her. But that was a guess. I mean, there are a few half points in there. But I think I did pretty well. Oh, yeah. Shit. Uh, So you got seven and a half out of 11. That's oh, pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm happy. I think I made it too easy. Well, well maybe if you had prepared properly for the quiz. I did. You could have made it sufficiently well difficult. Let me know, everyone, how you did at home. Let's move on because we're going long here. R is for Rosaline Bachelot. She is the former French sports minister whom Rafael Nadal is suing for defamation. They were in court on Friday for the hearing on this defamation suit. Rafa's camp is asking for 100,000 euro. Bachelot is defending herself against defamation charges. It's kind of an interesting case. Nadal claims that Bachelot defamed him Mm -hmm. by saying that he 
certainly <laughs> tested positive in, I believe it was 2012, for a long injury layoff. The arguments from both sides are fairly interesting to me. Bachelot's defense was <laughs> that other players were saying the same things publicly. Uh, Daniel Kullerer and Christoph Rojas were saying similar things publicly, so... Kullerer, who is persona non grata in tennis circles. Right. And who knew one of these ruckus brothers <laughs> was cause, causing all this ruckus? Cousin Rojas. <laughs> um, and using the tried-and-true kindergarten defense of, well, other people were doing it, why can't I? Now, on the other side, Nadal was like, you want medical records? Fine. Here are my medical records. He supplied them to the court. Neither party was uh, present in court. Nadal was in Shanghai, obviously. He, His lawyer said that Bachelot's words were so important because of the position that she held as the sports minister of France, and also that it imperils future and current sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And uh, she argues that there's no evidence that it has or will, but... Still. But she is ready to pay a symbolic euro. A symbolic euro. Uh, so the, the ruling comes down November 16th. The judge might say, well, you can take your symbolic euro and, and add 100,000 real ones. I would love for my landlord or landlord to start taking symbolic dollars. Yes. It was a, a magnanimous gesture on her part to offer the symbolic euro, but she may end up having to pay real, real mm. ones. I'm I'm curious to see how this plays out because she talked a lot of mess and that was reckless as hell. Mm-hmm. It was Trumpian, is what it was. <laughs> Rarely do these kind of cases actually get to court, I yeah. feel. I feel like a lot of celebrities threaten a lawsuit and it's not very often you see one actually go to court. Rafa said, I gonna sue her. I gonna I gonna sue her. And he did. He and did. <laughs> this thing is progressing. And it's <laughs> progressing pretty quickly when is the 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 hearing november 16th okay the the verdict oh the verdict yeah the hearing was on friday okay, so, and apparently that's it that was so the day judge just needs to figure shit out yeah okay well stay tuned on to s which is not for sharapova not for shanghai but for well kind of for shanghai mm-hmm. but not shanghai results it, for shrolex uh-huh for shanghai rolex masters it's for the nuffness <laughs> Of the Shanghai event. Oh my lord. The Shanghai, their Twitter presence is out of this world. Most of their day is spent reminding people to call it the Shanghai Rolex Masters and not the Shanghai Masters. I guess I admire their uh, their commitment isn't to their title of, sponsor. Isn't this one of the accounts that's been messy in years past oh, as yeah. well? Last this year too. Same exact one. thing. This is the infamous account. Yeah. It's interesting to me that they would think that that's good publicity. I guess any publicity is good publicity. They want the correct information out there. I can't think of any other tournament in tennis that insists that you call it by the sponsor's name. Mm. At least so vociferously. Well, they want to position themselves as the tournament that will be this fifth major. That keeps being threatened on the horizon. Threat. And right? it certainly is a threat. Because, oh, and who is here for that? Shanghai? Um, to be the fifth slam? I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to fill a stadium if they want to slam. Oh my god. It's it's totally ridiculous. To my mind. Maybe I'll feel differently. <laughs> T is for troll. Also, T is for tell your boyfriend. 
which is what <laughs> I was told. I'm just, commanded, right? Even. This uh, person who has been in our mentions before mm-hmm. hasn't been in a while, but has been in our mentions before. What which got him blocked, and so by you, that is yeah. And so he shows up in my mentions to try and correct something that was said on the previous podcast, which Wh- we had already redacted, already right. gotten ahead of that. And he says, "Tell your boyfriend that so and so. Tell your boyfriend who's who's blocked me. No, tell your." He said, tell your R slur boyfriend, which is me, uh-huh. that Wuhan and Beijing, well, you messed that up, whatever. Good day. In Thank terms you. of points. Yes, yeah. it was an error. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, he would know that I corrected it, but I had blocked him like mm. years ago. Apparently, he listens to the podcast, which is very strange to me, because judging by what he believes and spreads over the Twitterverse and what we believe, like, I don't know why... He would listen. Says some really offensive stuff yeah, about women. It's, yeah. it's like the height of misogyny. And everybody, really. Yeah. So, but specifically, um, our podcast is very woman-friendly. Yeah, very and we strange. are feminists. We espouse the things that I imagine would be totally not in... Uh, conf- what's the word? In uh, accordance mm. with his worldview. Yeah. So, um, thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> you is for unlucky Dopo. This, this, this dude is like a walking glass vase. He is very fragile. He's like Humpty Dumpty. Who sat on a wall. <laughs> it's, are we being really mean? I like Delpo. He slipped and hurt himself against Troitsky in the quarterfinals of Shanghai. And fell on his wrist, and I, there was a collective gasp around the tennis world. It turns out that it was just a contusion, which is really like a bruise, right? Mm-hmm. There was no serious damage, no strain or anything to the wrist. But given his history and the surgeries he's had on that wrist, he said that he probably wouldn't have played that semifinal had it not been Federer. Right. Said it and, was an honor yeah, to play And him. now he decides to play that match and still... Wins the first set and pushes Federer to 6-3 in the third set. Mm. Played a hell of a match. So please, Delpo, you're back in the top 20 or on the cusp of it. Take care of yourself. Hope to see you in Paris and down the road and if, without incident. If you're falling, don't brace yourself with the wrist. Just hit your head. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> v is for Venus, who unfortunately lost... In her second match in Hong Kong to Naomi Osaka, who then took to Twitter to say that today I accomplished one of my life dreams. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, good for her. She took a beating (laughs) at Wimbledon at the hands of Venus. (laughs) And uh, she bowed to Venus as she approached the net and Venus shook her hand. Mm -hmm. Venus was not happy to lose that match. No. You can tell... Where Venus, I mean, Venus doesn't want to lose any match, but you can tell which matches Venus is particularly not happy to lose. And she was not happy to lose that match. Well, she took her ass all the way to Hong Kong. Right? (laughs) The WTA number one race. We've got Moscow and Singapore and Zhuhai left to decide the year end, I guess, number one. Or who's going to be the sixth number one for the year or (laughs) regain number one Uh on the year. There are all these different computations and scenarios that we are not equipped to deal with to tell you how many people and who actually has a chance to still be number one 
by the end of the year. As it stands, right now, next week, the Singapore points will have come off from last year. So you have folks like Agarad Wanska, you have folks like defending champion Sibolkova who have lost all those points already. Mm -hmm. So if you look at any live rankings right now, you'll see that Radvanska is down to 27, Sibolkova is down to 25, you have Serena at 22 because she hasn't played all year. These are big-name players who are outside the top 20. And last week, we had Kvitova and Radvanska fighting to stay in the top 20. They mm-hmm. managed to, but now Radvanska is gone. Right. Because that's a hell of a lot of points that just uh-huh. came out. And Kerber herself is down to number 20 in the live rankings, and she just lost in her first match in Luxembourg to Monica Puig. Yeah. So the the shape of the WTA rankings is going to look a little bit weird to start 2018. Mm -hmm. Much like the ATP. Yeah, because for one, Sibolkova is not going to make Singapore this year. She's very likely not going to even make Zhuhai. Right. So she doesn't have many points left on the year. She's stuck where she is. And Viznina is there at number 16. I still don't understand how she's so, she's still so high. Like She's riding the wave of that Indian Wells 1,000 points yeah. still. It's a lot of damn points. Mm-hmm. And so what we have is Halep, Mugurutha, Svitolina, Pliskova. They are the ones who will be vying for this number one ranking in Singapore, which adds a nice little layer, some texture to the event. If you have that many players who are able to possibly be your Mm -hmm. number one. Because potentially the winner can win 1,500 points if they go undefeated in round robin. But even losing round robin matches, you win 125 points. So, Which makes it difficult for somebody like Venus and Caroline at five and six to become right. number one because and i haven't done the math yeah but it's highly unlikely mm-hmm. but as it stands with the singapore the singapore points off from last year numbers one through seven are separated by just a little over 1100 points which also sets up 2018 pretty nicely mm-hmm. the bottom line is this number one thing is gonna be a thing for a while yeah <laughs> We definitely cheated on X. We don't have Xavier Melise playing tennis right now. So so we just want to say that we are excited that episode 100 is on the horizon. Triple X. Triple X excited. Stop it. (laughs) Is Dominic Team going to be around for episode 100? We might have to become a visual medium for that. But what we want from you, the listeners, is that if you're a long-time listener, if you've been listening for uh, the better part of three full seasons, if you're new, whatever, if you're a fan of the show, let us know what you think we should be doing for episode 100. We have a couple of ideas that we're going to try and make happen. Uh, But this is really, this is your show. You listen, you enjoy it, hopefully. What do you want to hear from us? And we charge you. To absolutely, if you listen to this show regularly, get in touch with us. On Twitter specifically, that's the most convenient way to tell us what you think we should be doing for episode 100. And we'll try and make that happen. Okay, so why is for year-end number one on the ATP side? We thought it was out of reach for Federer. It is most definitely not. 
at this point. That was one of our issues that we had on the last episode, right? <laughs> yeah. The point situation for Beijing and Wuhan. And then I had said that Nadal had number one year and number one wrapped up. Right. Which was false. Which is, I mean, which is still likely, but certainly not a foregone conclusion. Federer is possibly, possibly playing Basel, Paris, and the ATB finals. That's, if you run the table, that's 3,000 points. Nadal is out of Basel, so that's 500 points that he cannot win. Federer is the defending champion in Basel, so if he does not play, he is going to lose those points. And Rafa, and Rafa is a defending runner-up. And Rafa is about 1,900 points ahead of Federer right now as it is, yes. I think. So it's still likely if Rafa does play Paris, he's pulled out of Basel because of the knee situation. But if he plays Basel, sorry, if he plays Paris and then the World Tour Finals, it's likely that he will still be world number one right. at the end of the year, provided Federer doesn't run the table. And it's it's easy to figure out because none of them are defending any N- points. None of them is. Neither of them is. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> They're not defending any points in this stretch of the season. I would say it's still unlikely that Federer takes over number one, but it's not definitely not impossible. No. And so uh, Stranger gotta, Things yes. definitely have happened. He's just got to win, win some matches in this stretch. Zed is for Zhuhai. Which okay. I want to say right off the bat, mm. this is one of the things that the WTA has done well. They have, yeah. In, I think this is the third edition. The inaugural year was when Venus won, I believe, in 2015. Uh-huh. She won Wuhan that year, and then she won Zhuhai, and that was her big I'm back moment. And we didn't really know what to make of it. It was like an unnecessary addition to the schedule because it happens after Singapore. Like, oh my God, is the season finished already? Like, not as in like, oh my God, why is it finished? But like, mm-hmm. can it be finished already? You know? Uh, but we're in this position now where the field for Zhuhai this year is stacked. Yeah. Like, Zhuhai is going to be lit. The leaderboard... So, how it works is that they pick the top 11 players ranked 9 and above, and then one wild card, which has already been awarded to Peng Shuai. They always give it to a Chinese player. Right. That's their want. The first year, they gave it to, to Sai Sai. Yeah. And she was much lower ranked in that event. And Peng right now is in the 20s, so it's not mm-hmm. that crazy oh, that no. she, she would have been it's, giving it. It's fine. It's great. You know? There aren't that many tournaments I in China. I have no issue with this event being a Chinese event, giving it to their Chinese yeah. number one. But the people on the leaderboard right now, U.S. Open champ Sloan, finalist Madison, Joanna Conta, Svetlana Kuznetsova, if she's healthy, Angelique Kerber, who was number one for a good long stretch this year and last, Colleen, who is also in, ten- in contention for... A, an alternate spot in Singapore along with Kikin Medenovic. Mm-hmm. And then we could have a Barty party. Did I say Barty? No. Oh, we could have and a Barty Pavlichenkova. party. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a great draw for this tournament. They really lucked out because I think uh, in the rankings 14, 15, 16, somewhere around there is uh, Sloan, Madison, Coco. Mm-hmm. And not only do you have this great lineup, but you have this, this great narrative that you can spin around the kremlin cup for people who <laughs> who still need uh some more layers to tennis this year <laughs> mm-hmm. uh to be qualifying for zhuhai because 
On the outside, looking in at 20 through 23 is Streetsova, Rybarakova, Gavrilova, and Sibokova. And you have Gavrilova, who has been winning and making finals, playing some of the best tennis of her year right now. Rybarakova, who just made the final in Linz and beat Sharapova this week. She goes deep in Moscow. It could be her. Mm-hmm. Rybarakova has been doing Yeoman's work all year. Yeah. Or some would say God's work <laughs> mm. at Wimbledon, beating Coco in the quarterfinals. She made a slam semi, right? Yep. Like, this is impressive stuff. And the thing I took away from that event is that I really enjoyed watching her play. Her throwback slice and dice, spin you all over the court type stuff is enjoyable. And it matches up really well with power players who mm. don't necessarily have many options. Right. Put it that way. So uh, that brings us to the end of our TBS A through Z. Yeah, I think that's it. So please um, shout out suggestions, anything you want to hear on the 100th episode. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Elliot JMR. Two L's, two T's. I'm Jonathan at tennis underscore John. And we are at the body serve on Twitter. At the body serve on Instagram. We had an Insta video promoting this episode today. We did, uh, which. which- I wasn't prepared for. Mm-hmm. You were wearing your work shirt and some gym shorts. Yeah, very, a uh, really cute look. So thank you so much for putting that on against my will. I'm sure the viewers and the listeners appreciate uh-huh. it. Mm-hmm. They, um, said they got to see the back of your very large head. Pff, you're one to talk. <laughs> Till next time.